What if you really can have it all? No, really. What if everything you think you desire is only a starting point for the life you're truly capable of creating? On Love, Life, and All Things Weird, we playfully explore topics from money to magic, healing to wholeness, creation, relationship, business, and more. There's no place we won't go. Nothing too wacky or weird in the quest to live as grand a life as possible. Hosts Megan Silito and Suzanne Stoffer are the embodiment of opposites attract, and the result is true synergistic power. Partnered in love and in business, they're taking co-creation to a whole new level. Join Megan and Suzanne for Love, Life, and All Things Weird, where we will talk about living a life that's inspired, overflowing, and completely awesome. Welcome, welcome, everybody. Um, my name is Suzanne Stoffer, and <laughs> I'm not the one that normally says hello to all the people. Usually, it's my co-host, Megan Silito, that does. Um, but as we talked about last week, um, we're doing a time of healing with each other. Um, Megan moved out of our home a couple weeks ago, and we're um, taking space and um, really diving into our own individual healing. Um, and so we're doing um, things separately um, for a while, and that includes the radio show. So this week, it's um, <laughs> I'm running solo um, with our show today, and of course, you know, like, why wouldn't I talk about love? And why wouldn't I talk about heartbreak specifically? I mean, I think what's amazing about this show for me is that I bring what's happening in my life um, into the show. And um, and love and romantic relationship has been, uh, and love and heartbreak has been quite a theme in my life, um, and I've been in that process over and over again. You know, I part of my history, um, you know, I got married at 18 to uh, uh, to pretty much escape my household, which was very abusive on all levels. And, you know, he fell in love with me, and he provided... Uh, or what I thought he would provide was a safe and abundant life. Um, and so even though I loved him, I didn't know what love was. Um, I didn't actually know how to truly open my heart because as we're going to really dive into today, um, we when we come into this world, we're like a, a natural bundle of love, you know. I mean, that's why we all love babies so much because they have this sacred and spiritual quality of of love and innocence. Uh, and so, you know, when we come into this world, we're like open-hearted love bombs that we're and we're filling the world with our special love sauce, you know. Um, and then something happens. Uh, we experience heart wounding. We, what I call heart wounding, um, and that can happen really at any point, but every one of us have at some point or another not been loved in the way that we really needed to be loved. And um, and so we've experienced um, this moment where our needs weren't being met. And, um, 
because of that, we learn to guard our hearts. We learn to create a fortress almost against the world. We kind of mute um, our 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 love going out, you know, because we're experiencing that that love isn't coming in. And um, we start to almost equal love equals pain and to risk loving is and to risk being vulnerable is a really bad idea. And so for some of us, there's more heart wounding than others. Um, I And I would say for me, um, you know, I feel like there was a lot of heart wounding at a very young age. You know, part of my um, original wounding is that, you know, my um, mom had a lot of kids and she was really um, stressed out and overwhelmed. And by the time I came around, I was fourth um, out of nine. And, um, you know, when I was nine months old, she got pregnant with my brother, Robert. And that was a really intense pregnancy for her. So really... You know, I feel like I had this deep bonding with my mom until about nine months. And then after that, it's almost like my mom disappeared, like our bonding disappeared. Um, and it was interesting because, you know, I've been working on this a lot um, over the years. Um, and, you know, even just last week, I was having an EMDR session, which is kind of like rapid eye therapy. And there was this uh, this visual that came out of that um, of that session where I'm in a crib uh, and I'm I feel like I'm a, a little over two years old and I'm just dirty I'm like I feel dirty and itchy and wet and I'm hungry and I'm crying and you know there's no parent there's no mom in sight and there's this feeling of um, being needy feeling so needy and not having my needs be met um, and you know the that and many many other experiences of my childhood of being um, in a way neglected um, emotionally ne neglected physically neglected there was often times where I went hungry um, you know my childhood was filled with a lot of physical and emotional abuse I started getting sexually abused when I was four um, so I had so many experiences where uh, my heart was in a way broken, where, you know, the ones that were supposed to, quote, love me the most, they were so wounded in their own right that they couldn't give me the love that I needed. Uh, they were so overwhelmed and in pain themselves. You know, and my parents did the very best they could. So it's not, you know, it's not about blaming them per se, but you know, by the time I was a teenager, I was very, very withdrawn and a shy, painfully awkward in social situations and very much like did not trust, did not trust the world, did not trust people. Um, and certainly I had created a whole bunch of strategies and defenses to protect myself. Um, so going into a marriage at 18, um, you know, I just wanted to escape that um, that household. And as you can imagine, in going from, you know, a young adult to adulthood and then becoming a mother myself, um, I there was a lot that I had to face into around love and heartbreak. You know, I remember feeling, I remember my oldest daughter um, 
when I was when she was born and she was a crier. Oh my gosh, was she a crier? And she would scream like 15 hours a day. Um and it was so challenging to be a young mom and to not know how to fulfill her needs, right? And I remember rocking um in a rocking chair with her and we were both just crying and I was sobbing and she was crying and you know, my husband at the time was very busy. He was working full time and going to school full time and I felt very neglected again. And that's the interesting thing about, you know, these experiences that we have as um young children because we end up creating those experiences again, over and over and over again, um, so that we can learn to heal, uh, so that we can come back to wholeness, so that we can actually, in truth, stop sourcing outside of ourselves for the love that we seek um, and start cultivating our own kindness, our own um, soothing. Right now, now I coach, like I've coached over, well, hundreds and hundreds, probably up in the thousands now um, over the years. And what I would say is that most people are still trying to find that love, trying to um, feel whole, trying to create a place feeling like they're lovable through their relationships and through their romantic relationships. And yet, you know, everybody I know has had some kind of experience of heart wounding. Oftentimes when I have a person on my table, um, like when I put my a hand on their heart, I feel the heart walls. I feel the, the fortress around their heart that's um, asking them, you know, that's really saying to me, please, please, you know, can we get rid of this? You know, or their body is saying, please, can we get rid of this? Um, because, again, our true essence is to be open-hearted, to love full out, and to love unconditionally. Um, and that's really been interesting for me in the last two-plus years, as, you know, as our radio listeners know, um, Megan and I opened our relationship um, in um, April of 2017. And through that process, um, you know, we, we began to uncouple in, in the codependency that was our relationship. And she was, um, she fell in love with another woman and I was, um, dating a man and we were experiencing many, many situations where, you know, our programming and where our wounded or defensive self would say, hey, because you love someone else means that you don't love me. Because you want to spend time with other people means that you don't love me. Um, because you've fallen in love with someone else or are sexually expressing with someone else, then that means that you don't love me. Um, and I'd have, I have to tell you that it has been you know, like some of the most challenging experiences and lessons of my life. Um, it, I went into that process um, kind of seeing it as an experiment, like seeing if I could uh, open up uh, my consciousness and expand my consciousness 
um, to a place where I wasn't possessive or jealous or, um, you know, seeking someone to fulfill me, you know, where I was self-contained, where the source of my love and my okayness was with me. And as you can imagine, that path has been very intense and dicey <laughs> because especially um given my um my my history my biology um with having hundreds and maybe over a thousand experiences of trauma um where those that were supposed to quote love me the most you know supposed to quote um were um, very wounded in their own way and could not. And so I would, I find myself in this experience the last two plus years of my higher self, my essence self, my healthy self, like my true being, um, having this mm, access to this evervescent, um, love, like this, and I, and I find times and moments where I can tap into that, right? Um, I remember a couple years ago, Megan was in Denver at a workshop, and then she was with her girlfriend, and there was 10 days of space um, that we were apart, and it was the first time we'd ever taken space like that, and um, I, you know, she was, because her experience of our relationship was that um, she uh, she was trying to fulfill my needs all the time, you know, because I, especially because of my past, I'm like a needy bitch, man. And so I just could not get over my neediness, right? And like kind of pulling at her to show up in a particular way. And so that was her experience in our relationship is her trying to make me happy, you know, trying to please me and me not ever being pleased fully, right? And a lot of that had to do with my wounding and my outsourcing of love to another person um, and to her specifically. Like, hey, you know, almost like I want you to be my quasi-mom and I'm the baby and you're supposed to take care of me, you know? And so, um, you know, I had not cultivated over all this time, like my whole life, I had not cultivated that sweet spot of loving myself um, and then loving another person. You know, like my experience in relationship had been, you know, get together, like after, you know, I felt neglected um, uh, in my first marriage, right? I was in that marriage for 12 years and I left um, saying, you know what, we're not compatible. Um, he's a workaholic and, you know, neglectful. Um, and, you know, and then I ended up in a second marriage with a very wounded man, um, where it was so abusive in all ways, emotionally abusive, physically abusive. Um, and it, I remember, um, laying on the ground, honestly, like in fetal position, crying my eyes out, uh, after a huge blow up with him and asking God to like, please, if this is what life is, that please take me now. And um, I, I remember um, feeling this light come into the room. And, you know, what I would say is, I don't know that I would call it God, but it's source, universe, um, grace. Like there was these words that said, stop being a victim. And it was such a 
two by four across my face because I had pretended that I was this really strong, independent, you know, single mom that was like so resilient and, you know, that I was um, confident and that I was, you know, taking on the world and I was going to, you know, blah, blah, slay the dragon, so to speak. And yet um, inside of myself, I was a victim and I was um, constantly blaming my partner for not showing up and loving me in the way that I needed to be loved. And the whole time I was just bringing in experiences that reflected my childhood, that reflected the wounding and abuse of my childhood um, because abuse equaled love. Love equaled abuse for me. Uh, and so I remember taking on in that moment the idea that um, that I wasn't a victim and that it wasn't about compatibility and it wasn't because these people um, were were like flawed or that they weren't, that they didn't love me. Um, it's because I hadn't done my own personal work. I hadn't, um, you know, I hadn't dived into my own, uh, my own heart wounding. So, um, and I didn't know how to um, heal my wounded ones. And so if my wounded ones were showing up all the time and like, you know, crying out for attention and love and presence and intimacy and communication, um, you know, then I was pulling at someone and making it be about them when they couldn't show up, which, quite frankly, is just anything but true love, right? Um, and I certainly wasn't loving myself in that process. So, you know, fast forward to, um, you know, doing like, I mean, I've been married and divorced twice and engaged um, and broken my engagements twice. So I've had a and I've been in relationship most of my life, um, really since I was about 15. And so I have a lot of experience in relationship and a lot of experience in love um, and what it means to to risk and what it means to have heartbreak and what it means to come back. Um, what I would say in my coaching practice is that I see most people, once they've experienced like a true heartbreak, they literally build up all these barriers against love and then they never, ever love so openly again as they did when they were young. And to me, you know, having risked and quote, failed, although I don't believe that I've failed, I believe that I've succeeded, um, but based on society's view, um, it would look as if I had failed in relationship. Um, uh, but, you know, looking at me, most people would be like, why would you want to risk? You know, like you've, you've, you know, been in, quote, the depths of despair because of breakups, you know, like how many times in your life? Why, why would you continue to risk? Why wouldn't you, um, you know, figure out just how to be happy on your own? And I'd like to, you know, answer that question and dive more into, you know, this idea of risking in love after a heartbreak and what that's all about. Um, but we're going to go on break first. So come back for more. Um, you're listening to Love Life and All Things Word, and we'll be back. Are you looking for a place to create, connect, and belong? Where you have massive encouragement to be the weird, live-outside-the-box person you truly are. 
If you've chosen a different path as a rebel, an innovator, a leader, entrepreneur, and change maker, you're in the right place. On Love, Life, and All Things Weird, Megan and Suzanne bring you inspiration, awesome tools for transformation, and full permission to be you. Claim your weird and live your most ridiculous life. Be sure to listen every Wednesday at noon, Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. How long have you been waiting to uncloak your magic? To allow the magic within you to rise and catalyze into an extraordinary life deep down you know is possible. Live Your Magic is a two and a half day experience that will move you beyond your mind, ignite your body, and activate the magic that is you. If you are ready to radically tap into your desires, generate more aliveness in your body and your life, then join us at a Live Your Magic event somewhere in the world. Go to MeganSolito.com and click on events to learn more today. That's M-E-G-A-N-S-I-L-L-I-T-O. This is Love, Life, and All Things Weird with hosts Megan Silito and Suzanne Stopper. Are you scratching your head a bit? Let's chat. Call into the program today, and let's find some answers. If you're in the U.S., call 815-880-8255. In Canada, call 613-800-8736. Or Skype us at Inspired Choices Network. You can also ask questions or leave comments in our Facebook group, Weird on the Air with Megan and Suzanne. Now, back to the program. Welcome back, everybody. Um, we're talking about love, and we're talking about risking in love after a heartbreak. Um, I, it's so funny because, you know, it's such an interesting thing having, um, you know, been in relationship with Megan for almost 10 years um, because she is such an opposite energy as I am. And so when I come and do a show on my own, you better believe it's going to be like really deep, really real, really intense, right? And and when she does a show on her own, it's like all light and fun and possibility and play, right? And so it's like whatever flavor you want, you know, <laughs> it's whatever flavor you need. Um, so, and it's so interesting, you know, that experience of us together, right? Because opposites attract. And what was interesting about um, meeting Megan initially is I was I was actually coming to her class with a, um, a fiancé, with a boyfriend of mine, um, and in the process of, you know, uh, it's a very long, you know, quite juicy story, but um, Megan and I fell in love and um, we um, we left our other relationships and then after a while um, came together. Um, and what was so interesting about that for me is I was like, wow, okay, I you know, like I'd never met someone who was so open-hearted in their love. And quite frankly, um, having been so fortressed against love, um, I couldn't handle it. Like I would literally sabotage the love that was coming my way. Um, now, you know, for her part, she was choosing someone who couldn't receive her love. So she had her own stuff with it, her own issues, right? Um, but I remember like just not even knowing, like feeling uncomfortable 
with the amount of love that she was showing me. But what I would say is that it melted my fortress. It melted my heart walls um, and showed me what real love was. Like I had been being falling in love and falling out of love and in the path of love, you know, for a long time. I'd been married twice. I'd been in long-term relationships. And I did not actually have a clue as to what love was and what, like, the true essence of love was until I met Megan. And what's what's super interesting about that is that, you know, then my little ones, my young ones, the ones that were wounded, the ones that weren't taken care of, they latched on to Megan like nobody's business. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, she became the source. She became my source for okayness and for love. And so, you know, that's like pretty much the epitome of codependency. And, you know, two years into our relationship, she came to me and said, hey, you know what, you've got to get a life. Like you have to have, you know, something besides me that sustains you. And that was like one of the biggest gifts that she gave me is that I started to really dive into what it meant to take care of me, to learn to love myself, to um, not have her be the source. And, you know, in all honesty, I'm still in that process so much because, um, you know, my little ones are so attached to her. Um, and it's interesting watching clients come to her um, because she does open this idea like open she's a space of non-judgment and of pure possibility with people and so people fall in love with Megan and just like I did and um it's it's such a a, a a unusual kind of experience you know it reminds me of Dane here Dr. Dane here if you've ever experienced him in any way like gotten energy work with him or you know been in a classroom with him it's a similar thing they have this Tap, they've tapped into this um, this this uh, power and this like pure uh, expression of love and possibility that is almost addictive. Um, and so, you know, it's very easy to get attached and to um, and to allow um, you know yourself to to not be the source. And so, you know, that's part of the reason why um, why we have uncoupled and why Megan's moved out is that, um, you know, she gets to find, you know, her identity that's beyond caring for or serving others, you know, or loving others. She ha- she gets to claim her own needs and her own you know, expression of of what she wants to do versus what other people want from her, right? And I um, get to lean into um, 1,000% being okay um, on my own and really taking care of my little ones um, completely, you know. So I wanted to, you know, part of this show today is to give you some tools and some understanding around you know, around love and around relationship. And so I want to give you a framework um, for this. So um, to help you understand what's going on inside of your own psyche, inside of your own relationship, inside of your own heart. 
Um, and thank you for those who are in the chat room with me today um, and who are joining live. You can you can comment to the chat room and ask questions or comment. It's super awesome to um, connect in that way. I love it. You can go to inspiredchoicesnetwork.com and um, click on the chat room and come in. I'm really appreciating the comment from Joe in the chat room that says, I'm going through a similar process of learning to love myself. I've been in relationship most of my life and now find myself learning what self-love is. And I so appreciate that comment because it's absolutely the truth. Like, um, you know, most people don't even know what it means to love themselves, don't even know what it means, don't even know who they are without, you know, a person, without a role, without, you know, um, with, like beyond, you know, the, the set roles of their life. They don't know who they are as an individual. Um, and so it's a process of um, finding yourself and really seeing the gift of you. So I want to talk about this framework because when we're young um, and something happens, right, where we're not loved in the way that we needed to be loved, it creates a wound. And that wound itself um, is raw and is um, wounded. Like it's just raw, pure emotion, whether it's sadness or um, fear or anger, like that, that child is experiencing um, something that's creating a wound. What happens after that is that our psyche, our brain says, I do never want to experience that again. And so what we do is we create defenses and strategies to protect the wound itself. Um, we we create all kinds of stories and walls and fortresses that says, okay, well, that's never going to happen again. So a defended self um, emerges. That defended self is mostly what all of us walk around in. It's kind of like the personas that we live. Um, so there's a thousand defenses. One of mine was that... Um, that I would, um, that I don't need anybody and that I don't trust anybody, right? Um, and so I grew up in a junior high and adulthood um, and let, kept people at arm's length. Like I literally could not be super vulnerable with anybody. And that was like, I don't need anybody. I've got, I, you know, I don't trust anybody. So it was my defended self. And then I spent a lot of time, you know, um, creating success, like what I considered success so that people would, um, like, value me, right, and see me as successful so that they would see me as whole and not the broken, um, the broken one, right, because I literally just felt broken um, and, and, you know, my childhood said that I was, right, that you know, I deserve to be punished and abused um, and neglected. Um, and so in, it, so I created a defense or a defended self or strategies that, um, that were like, nope, I'm good. Like, I don't need anybody. I can just go create success. And, um, you know, so I was the first person in my um, household that graduated from college. I um, became an accountant. I was really successful and, like, um, you know, financially successful. 
And I, I walked around with this fortress around my heart, like um, this defended self, right? Um, and then, but what's true is that we also have a healthy self. And the healthy self is like our being, it's our essence, and it's um, the one that's connected to grace or God or the spiritual realm. And I didn't really understand my healthy self until I started doing personal development. And so I started kind of connecting into a higher part of me. Um, and what is true is that, you know, in order to heal the wound, the defended self needs to be, almost needs to be stepped aside. The defended self um, can be honored, but really the healthy self um, needs to connect in with the wounded self and bring that love and acceptance and allowance and kindness and caring to the wounded self. And you better believe that there's so many like um, strategies and defenses for, from the defended self to not allow the healthy self to do that, right? And so, um, and so that's the task is when we're feeling the weakest, when we're feeling the most emotional, when we're feeling um, the most hurt or the most angry, um, is to allow our healthy self to come in, this higher part of us. Now, sometimes that's really helpful to be witnessed in that. And that's where therapy and coaching, and that's the work that I do a lot with my clients, is I hold space for the shadow part. You know, the parts of ourselves that um, feel too hard to love, right? Like I hold space for all of the shadows so that we can bring that shadow to the light. Of course, I can create and hold space huge for my clients, but that's a challenge me in my own life, right? And that I think that's true. Like our gift and our magic, you know, is... Um, is often so easy to give to others and very challenging sometimes to give to ourselves. So I want you now, all those that are listening now and in the future, I just want you to connect in with those different aspects of yourself. Like think of um, something, a situation where you have a trigger around, um, whether it's like something that happened, you know, with a partner or with your kids or at work or something, something that emotionally triggered you. Um, I want you to just tune into that, okay? So do all of you have that? Have you thought of it? Really, it's the first thing that comes to mind, okay? So have you got it? Cool. So now I want you to almost like put on the hat of the wounded self, okay? Like the part of you that is the that's the raw, real, hurt part of yourself. And I want you to just almost like put that hat on of the wounded self. Now, what I want to say is that your defended self doesn't want you to do that. Your defended self um, wants you to stay in defense. Um, so maybe we start with the defended self first because the defended self is going to be like, um, yeah, like that jerk, you know, hurt my feelings. For me, one of mine this week was that my friends um, were canceling on spending time with me and, you know, especially um, going through this separation from Megan, um, it's like a really, I feel super raw and super needy and wanting like support from my friends, right? So for them to, you know, have busy lives and to not, um, 
to not quote show up for me felt really um, painful and it like poked, it triggered this part of me, this wounded part of me that is the two-year-old that feels, you know, too needy and too much and too emotional and, um, you know, and so immediately my defended self came in and my defended self sounds like, oh, well, fine. You know what I mean? They're all just busy, so I can just take care of myself. I'll just be alone. Um, and the defended self would see like, you know what? They're kind of jerks. Like, that sucks. Like, you know, I show up for them when they're hurting. Why can't they show up for me, right? That's what the defended self would say. Um, the defended self would say like, seriously, Suzanne, would you stop being like such a wuss? Like, can't you just by yourself, you know, like, can't you just handle being alone for one night without your friends? Like, come on, right? That would be the defended self that would say all that stuff. The defended self um, usually is a villain, a victim, or sometimes a hero, right? Um, like, a defended self lives on the triangle, um, what's called the drama triangle. A defended self um, isn't the real you. It isn't the true you. So, um, so I'm curious for all of you that are in this process, right? Um, this, can you share? I would love for those in the chat room to share, you know, perhaps what, what does the, what does the defended self in this scenario that you've thought of, what does the defended self, um, say to you? How do you operate when you're in defended self? Um, because when I'm in defended self in this situation, what I tend to do is I isolate, right? Like I'll, I'll be like, oh, I, like everybody's too busy and, you know, I'm too needy and so I'm just going to be by myself. Um, and that's the defendant self. That's me isolating, um, and not asking for help. Um, you know, and then a lot of times the defendant self, the strategies include numbing out, include, um, disassociating. It can look like watching a lot of TV, um, binge eating. It can look like, um, all kinds of different ways that the defense, that the defendant self operates trying to kind of protect this wounded self, right? Um, yeah, so cool. So really appreciating the comments in the chat room. So Melissa says, I usually go to, well, I will never invite them to anything ever again. Um, mine comes out when I feel left out of something. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's such a great awareness. Um, and I think it's Lauren says, I just go away. Um, emotionally and go to my work. Yeah, exactly. It's like, fine, I'll just, you know, stay busy. I just won't feel this thing. I'll just, um, you know, like the other night I was feeling super sad and like grieving, you know, being in my house, um, like being, um, cause it's the first time that I've basically lived alone. Um, because every time I've ever been single before, I have my kids living with me. And so now it's like two weeks, almost two weeks into it. And my house is so quiet, right? And I have no partner and I have no children. And so it's this really interesting thing because in some ways it feels like relief. And in other ways, it feels so quiet and sad, right? And so I'm in this grieving process, this transition. And, you know, what I, what I do to manage it is I'm organizing my kitchen, right? Like I'm totally staying busy and organizing my kitchen instead of leaning into the feelings of it, right? So I'm really appreciating all these comments. Keep them up. Yeah. So Kirsten says, I don't need anyone. Look what happens when you lean on others. You can never count on anyone else but myself, right? So that's the, that's a common thing, right? Like, well, I don't need you anyway. So, you know, I, the only one that, the only one, the only back that has mine is 
has mine of me or whatever, right? Um, Mary says, defend itself is a great martyr. I actually choose to spend time alone. I prefer it right now, not from a place of not having, but from a place of nurturing and caring for myself. Yeah, that's so awesome. Yeah, I really appreciate that. There's definitely a difference, right? There's sometimes when I um, can take space and spend time alone and it's actually really, really healthy and it feels really generative and caring and nurturing. And there's sometimes when I'm spending time um, from a victim place or from a martyr place. Um, yeah, so Mandy says, I was included in something and I wasn't sure if they really wanted me there and my phone ended up dying and I couldn't find the place we were going so I went home and ordered pizza. Yeah, so oftentimes when we feel that heartbreak or that loss or that rejection, then we'll go to trying to fill up our bodies, we'll trying to fill up our emptiness, trying to fill up our stomach with something that feels good. So um, I'm loving all this, this comments. Thank you, everybody. And we're going to go on break, and we'll come back for more around this. Are you looking for a place to create, connect, and belong? Where you have massive encouragement to be the weird, live-outside-the-box person you truly are. If you've chosen a different path as a rebel, an innovator, a leader, entrepreneur, and changemaker, you're in the right place. On Love, Life, and All Things Weird, Megan and Suzanne bring you inspiration, awesome tools for transformation, and full permission to be you. Claim your weird and live your most ridiculous life. Be sure to listen every Wednesday at noon, Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. How long have you been waiting to uncloak your magic? To allow the magic within you to rise and catalyze into an extraordinary life deep down you know is possible. Live Your Magic is a two and a half day experience that will move you beyond your mind, ignite your body, and activate the magic that is you. If you are ready to radically tap into your desires, generate more aliveness in your body and your life, then join us at a Live Your Magic event somewhere in the world. Go to megansolito.com and click on events to learn more today. That's M-E-G-A-N-S-I-L-L-I-T-O. This is Love, Life, and All Things Weird with hosts Megan Silito and Suzanne Stoffer. Are you scratching your head a bit? Let's chat. Call into the program today, and let's find some answers. If you're in the U.S., call 815-880-8255. In Canada, call 613-800-8736, or Skype us at Inspired Choices Network. You can also ask questions or leave comments in our Facebook group, Weird on the Air with Megan and Suzanne. Now, back to the program. Welcome back, everybody. We are going deep today talking about love and heartbreak and what it means when we get into that defended self where we like shut down, we isolate, we um, disassociate, you know, we, we do things that, um, that supposedly try to make us feel better when they really don't. So we were just, before break, we were talking about this thing around, you know, kind of eating your feelings, um, which I think is such a common thing. And I want to talk about that for a minute because I had this huge awareness many years ago where I was like, oh my God, like when you think about it, mom, when you're born, when you're a baby, um, one of the, the first things that happen with mom is eating 
right? It was um, breastfeeding or bottle feeding, but it's usually with mom and it's usually about connection, um, emotional intimacy, physical intimacy, because you're all wrapped up in mom and you're eating, you're filling your belly. So can you imagine that that's like a fundamental pattern, right? That like that's an imprint of love, uh, mama love, unconditional love, um, physical connection, emotional intimacy, and food all go together. And so, so often I have clients who are so frustrated because they eat when they're sad or they eat when they're angry and, and, or they eat when they're lonely or they eat when they, uh, you know, feel empty. Um, well, why wouldn't you? Um, because that is so much the original blueprint, right? Um, and, you know, sometimes in heartbreak, we don't, we stop eating because it's like we don't have the love. And so therefore we don't, you know, we don't eat, right? So it goes both ways. But I, it's, I, I bring that up because it's like we all um, have so much judgment and um, so much like um, non-allowance for ourselves when we go into these strategies. And part of bringing in the healthy self is actually just being okay that you have a defended self. It's being okay that you have strategies that are trying to protect you. It's being okay and and having some awareness that that's what's happening, right? Um, and so can you in this moment almost like put on the hat of your healthy self with regards to this situation that you thought about earlier, right? And can you bring some compassion and kindness? Can you bring some acceptance and just um, like education, some information? Well, of course, you know, of course uh, I said that. Of course I behaved that way. Of course, you know, I disassociated like that. Why wouldn't I, right? And give yourself that that compassion for this process. And I think that's been one of the hardest things for me because, I'll, you know, I – have, there's been so much darkness and so much shadow in my life and I've worked so hard to overcome it, you know, my whole, um, especially in the last decade. And there's just parts of me sometimes where it's just like, I don't want to be triggered anymore. I don't want to have my defended self online all the time anymore. Like I'm supposed, I should be over this. I should be way more conscious than this, right? And so for, for me, it's been one of the challenging things to just be okay with my process. Um, to be okay that, you know, I, I'm not in a space of unconditional love all the time, that I still feel so broken a lot of times, that especially when in relationship that I have a ton of defenses um, that build back the fortresses up against my heart, you know. And so um, so I'm in bringing a lot of love and compassion and non-judgment to all of us that are in this process of being a human being and having like our biology and the constructs and the programming of humanness that makes living messy, makes being a human being messy. I think those of us in the metaphysical world, we want to like spiritually override. We want to get to that essence space, that spiritual space, that place of, you know, 
of unconditional love all the time for everybody, right? And have everything be okay and, you know, just like it's all love and light. And that's awesome when you're authentically there. Like I have learned so much about that in the last two plus years. Like as much as I've had to lean into my shadow of my jealousy, of my possessiveness, of my constructs around love and relationship, um, it's, it's opened me up to a place of true true love, you know, true um, what love can really be. So I'd love to do some clearing work with all of you, um, you know, and suggest it, this tool around the wounded self, the defendant self, and the healthy self be something that you really consider bringing in. Like when you're triggered, can you journal about your wounded self, your defended self, your healthy self? Can you be witnessed in your wounded self? Um, can you make requests around that? You know, like I have a friend and I was saying, he messaged me and he was like, um, are you are you good? And I'm like, no, I'm sad and I'm cleaning the kitchen um, and I'm organizing. And he said, um, he said, oh, don't be sad. Um, you know, like you're strong. You're awesome. And, you know, I just felt so not OK about that. And I was just like, you know what? Like, don't try to fix me. Like, it's okay to be sad. That's just where I am. And I didn't say that. I just did a thumbs up, right? And I was just like, kind of like, fuck you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then, you know, the next day, um, I messaged and I, and I said, hey, listen, you know, when you said that, I get that you're just trying to be helpful. Um, but in truth, that just felt like a dismissal. And it felt like that you're trying to fix me. And so when I'm in that place of sadness, and I'm really being vulnerable about just being sad, and I'm, I'm showing you my defended self of like, I'm sad, and I'm cleaning the kitchen. Can you just be with me in that sadness? Can you just say, oh, I hear you're sad? Right? And can you just stay in that moment with me? And and he was like, yeah, absolutely. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that, right? I didn't mean to show up that way for you. And so it was such an incredible moment, right? It was such an incredible shift because I wasn't, I wasn't making him wrong. I was making requests. I was just saying, hey, that didn't all work for me. Can we do something different? Like when I show up this way, this is what I'm really requesting. Um, and that's me taking care of me, that's me loving me enough to, you know, not just go away, but to come back and make a request. So what is your version of that? You know, what, how can you show up for yourself by asking for what you really need? Cool. So I want to do some clearing. So everything, all of the lifetime spaces, places, and dimensions where you have bought into the lie of what love is, of what conditional love is, of what love is in relationship. Can we uncreate and destroy all that, everybody? Yes? Right, wrong, good, bad, pot, pock, all nine, shirts, boys, and beyonds. And all the decisions, judgments, conclusions, and computations, the projections, expectations, separations, judgments, and rejections. All the rejections of you around love. All the rejections that you felt that has created the fortress around your heart. Can we uncreate and destroy all that, please? Yes? Right, wrong, good, bad, pot, pock, all nine, shirts, boys, and beyonds. Everywhere that you've denied your own um, desire and your own need for love and intimacy and connection. Um, so you pretend to not want to love again. You pretend to not want to risk again. You pretend to not need again or anymore. Can we uncreate and destroy all that? Yes. 
right, wrong, good, bad, pod, pod, online, shirts, boys and beyonds, and everything that's in the way of you coming back to love, to the sweet spot of loving you and allowing love in from others and loving others in a true expression. Can we create and destroy that? Everything in this one that's in the way of that. Yes, right, wrong, good, bad, pod, pod, online, shirts, boys and beyonds. Oh, all of the lifetimes that we learned what isn't, you know, um, that we learned to be defended in our love relationships, um, everywhere that it felt too risky, too unsafe to truly love, to truly be vulnerable, to truly be honest about our needs and about our, what we truly desire. Can we create and destroy all that? Yes. Right, wrong, good, bad, pod, pod, online, shirts, boys and beyonds. Um, yeah, so all of the spaces and places where you're holding on to that heartbreak, you're holding on to that old wounding, that it's staying in your body, that it's stuck in your body, in your heart, in your gut, in your body. Can we tune into your body now, connect into that energy that's still there and let that go, release, 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 release and uncreate and destroy all of your points of view that say that you have to keep that to defend against love, to to never, ever, ever experience that or feel that again. So everything that is, can we uncreate and destroy that? Yes. Right, wrong, good, bad, pod, pod, online, trips, boys and beyonds. <sighs> yes. Can I just tell you that even though I'm literally currently in uh, feeling like I'm in the most heartbreaking moments of my life, that it's worth it to risk for love anyway. It's worth it to open my heart to me and to others. That that's truly what we want as human beings is that feeling of belonging, that feeling of unconditional love, that feeling of openness. And so I would really ask you to lean in and consider what's in the way for you and, you know, what Rumi says, your task is not to seek for love, but merely to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. So uh, that's what that's what I'm currently in the process of doing, because I want to show up as vulnerable and real and the true love essence that I am. No matter, no matter what, no matter what is happening, I want to risk for love. And I hope that this has inspired some of you to lean into that for yourself. So tune in for next week because Megan's going to take the show next week. Bye for now, everybody. Thank you for listening to Love, Life, and All Things Weird. We will be back next Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. Be sure to tune in for more tips and tools on how to claim your marvelous, magical life. <laughs>